You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome into this Film Watch Wednesday and Mailbag Wednesday episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is a refreshment that you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Jalen Hurts, former Oklahoma quarterback, has been named the Philadelphia Eagles starter ahead of the Week 14 matchup with the New Orleans Saints. So let's talk about what Jalen Hurts brings to the table in his first career start, what benefits the Saints have with this timing, and how the defensive game plan adjusts to the rookie quarterback. Then we'll hit our Film Watch Wednesday segment, breaking down three impactful plays from the Week 13 win over the Atlanta Falcons, including Taysom Hill's first career touchdown passes, plural, and some great communication on defense. Then we'll wrap up with our questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. Can Taysom win the starting role this season? Can the Saints do something that has never been done before in their division? As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over of CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at Locked on NFL. We got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The New Orleans Saints aren't the only team getting a look at one of their backup quarterbacks. The Philadelphia Eagles have named Jalen Hurts the starter for the Week 14 matchup against the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk about what that means for the Eagles and for the Saints. That's our New Orleans Saints lead story of the day today with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. So the news broke early Tuesday morning that Jalen Hurts would be named the starter for the Philadelphia Eagles in place of the struggling Carson Wentz. Philadelphia Eagles, of course, not having a great season so far, looking for a bit of a change of pace. That's exactly what Jalen Hurts brings you. He's an extremely accurate passer. He's very successful downfield. Not a big time throw guy, but he can get those passes down there. Now, he did have a lot of talent around him at Oklahoma, both on the offensive line as well as at the skill positions. So he'll be missing that with the Philadelphia Eagles for certain. But he will have the advantage of being able to make some plays with his legs. But this guy is a pocket passer. And the good news for the New Orleans Saints is that he is a slow processor and he holds on to the ball pretty deep into the snap clock. So that's going to be big for this pass rush going up against an inferior offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll talk a little bit about how it is that the Saints defensive game plan adjusts in order to take advantage of that. But the first thing I want to point out is that the Saints have a good advantage here because you've got two examples of how to deal with this type of quarterback already, because you already did a very good job maintaining somebody that you don't have a lot of film on and Justin Herbert game planning around that. Again, Justin Herbert had a huge day, but the Saints were still able to outplay and win that game and be able to make plays late in overtime to be able to sort of stifle his production at just the right time. Now this Saints defense is much better than they were when they played the Los Angeles Chargers back at the beginning of the season. So that is certainly a huge benefit for them. The other benefit for them is that just two weeks ago, they had to prepare for a mobile backfield and a backfield that had some escapability potential because they had to prepare for a wildcat defense. I'm sorry, a wildcat offense in 24 hours. And so there are going to be some rules and some things that they can take from that and apply to this situation because people are going to be worried about 
Jalen Hurts as a mobile quarterback, perhaps unwarrantedly so, but he does have the ability to extend plays. Again, he is a pocket passer, make no mistake about it, but he can extend some plays. He can get out, he can scramble, he can do all of that. So the Saints having a little bit more of that seven tech wide nine formation over on the defensive line like they used against Denver to help contain around the edges, using linebackers and safeties blitzing up the C-gap so that you you don't risk any of those runs by Miles Sanders or Boston Scott breaking free off of the tackles. Those types of game plans along the defensive line are ones that would make sense. We saw a lot of shifts on the Saints defensive line against the Falcons that could happen as well. It's where you have those uh, those, those defensive ends, whether it's Cam Jordan and Marcus Davenport, if he's back and healthy, or whether it's Trey Hendrickson, who now has 10 and a half sacks on the season, lining them up a little bit more out wide than you would usually see them. And then having both defensive tackles, the three tech and the one tech lineup on the left or right side, right? As opposed to one being on either side of the center. And then you can use a linebacker up the C gap or up the A gap on the opposite side. These are things that are going to help you get a lot more athleticism up against the line of scrimmage, be able to get some pressure, which is going to help to take advantage of what uh, Jalen Hurts is going to bring as a rookie quarterback, taking time to process because there's some of the good things he's going to bring, which we talked about his accuracy, his ability to get the ball downfield, his ability to extend plays. But those bad things in terms of slow processing and holding onto the ball, the Saints defense is going to look to take advantage of that and get that pass rush home. So whether they blitz or whether they try to get pressure with just their four down linemen, and then that way they can use the back seven guys, the back coverage guys to really fog up coverages, uh, not diagnose, but disguise rather coverages that make it tough for Jalen Hurts to diagnose pre-snap. Those are the things that are going to confuse him. Those are things that are going to force him to hold on to the ball. And if that pass rush can hold, contain, and get home, then they should have a relatively successful day up against the rookie quarterback getting his first start. There was a time to where I would usually be mostly concerned about the Saints going in and taking on a rookie quarterback getting his first start in the NFL. But after what we've seen from this defense so far this season, I'm not as concerned about it. There's always a little bit of concern, but the thing that's nice for the Saints in terms of timing here as well is that they knew well enough ahead of time to be able to game plan now for Jalen Hurts before they even walked into practice on Wednesday. That's good news. And you did get a little bit of tape in terms of what he struggles with and what he does okay against in the second half of the Sunday game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Green Bay Packers. So there is at least something to be able to look at. It's a small sample size but something to be able to look at to see where you might be able to jar the rookie in his first career start. So quick shout out real quick to Rusty from the Locked On Saints Facebook group who actually asked about Jalen Hurts as a part of our mailbag segment, but I knew I was going to start off the show with it today. So I just want to make sure I give Rusty a quick shout out. We're not done though. We got a lot more to talk about. And of course, we'll be able to hear from Louis DiBiase tomorrow in our crossover Thursday episode who can give us more information on Jalen Hurts. I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup for the New Orleans Saints. I was looking forward to that defense going up against Carson Wentz, who struggled a lot this season, but also don't mind them going up against a rookie in his first official start either. Not something I'm too concerned about at this moment. But for the Saints, the next thing we want to take a look at is Film Watch Wednesday, breaking down three impactful plays from last Sunday's win up against the Atlanta Falcons. We'll take a look at Taysom Hill's touchdowns as well as a very, very nice adjustment and some great communication over for the defense when it mattered most. We got that coming up for you next year on Locked on Saints, your team every day. But don't forget that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. We know that Jalen Hurts is going to be chowing down his Built Bars to get ready to go up against this fantastic Built Bar, Built Saints defense. I'm just assuming if you're playing this well, you're probably eating Built Bars. So if you want to get your own, head over to BuiltBar.com. They are the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you're not eating them, 
I don't know what you're doing. Check them out. 18 amazing flavors, including one of my absolute favorites. It's a brand new flavor, Cherry Barcia. I love cherry and chocolate, the mixture, and this is super enjoyable, but it's not packed with sugar. It's only got four grams of sugar and four net carbs and only 130 calories, but it packs 17 grams of protein. These bars are outstanding for a morning snack, post, pre-workout, wherever it is that you need, or if you just need something to help get you over that hump in the middle of the day. Built Bars are built for you. Built Bar has also reset their promo code for this relaunch. You can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last as well. Just go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On, all one word, and you're going to get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, family, it is Locked On Saints with your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Make sure you throw me a follow. Uh, don't forget that we are here every single Monday through Friday. Our usual rhythm Monday is our recap episode. It's either a victory Monday or a sad boy Monday. On Tuesdays, we always dig into the analytics and the numbers. You can catch that from yesterday's episode, including how well uh, one guy, one wide receiver has made a big adjustment where he faced a lot of criticism in his first couple of years. And then on Wednesdays, like today, we have our film watch Wednesday, Thursday's crossover Thursday. And then Friday, we always break down the film looking at the enemy team that we're about to uh, see the Saints take on for the weekend. So go ahead and make sure that you check out every single day of the week here at Locked on Saints. Don't miss an episode. Don't do it. So today on Film Watch Wednesday, we're going to get started with our uh, look at three impactful plays from the Week 13 win against the Atlanta Falcons, the second win over the Falcons in three weeks. Great job by the Saints getting that done. The first play that we're going to look at, of course, is going to be Taysom Hill's first career passing touchdown, which happened to go to Traquan Smith because that's just what Traquan Smith does. Traquan Smith just catches historic passes. That's the way that Traquan Smith has made himself inexpendable, unexpendable, not expendable for the New Orleans Saints is by uh, catching those historic touchdowns. So let's go ahead and look at, uh, it's going to be first quarter, seven minutes, 36 seconds and running. So the Saints right now, first down and 10 on the 15 in the red zone. So as we get to this play, we're going to pause real quick. Actually, let the motion happen because the first thing that you're going to see happen is Traquan Smith line up in the slot on the left side. He's going to move over to the right side and get just out wide. Now, once the snap happens, we'll pause here. What you're going to see is a mesh concept. If you've played Madden, you know what a mesh concept is. It's a little bit different. Uh, there's a lot more variety to it in the NFL than there is on Madden. On Madden, it's two drag routes going across one another. But essentially, any of those crossing routes is considered a mesh concept, as long as they bend and curl over the middle of the field. So Traquan Smith started in the slot, same side as Michael Thomas. He went over to the right side of the offensive line. This is just going to be a three-man route. And Atlanta is going to be in what looks like cover three match to me, because you can see the two, the two corners backpedal a bit. And in a cover three match, what they usually do is they start off in zone and then switch to man coverage based on the route concepts. This is really easy to where you only have two routes on the outside. And the only other route that's going is Alvin Kamara in the flat, which they're not worried about. You have the three linebackers in the hole as well. So they're patrolling the middle of the field. And then one of them is going to collapse down on Alvin Kamara, of course. But you're going to see Michael Thomas go from the left side of the field to the right side of the field. You're going to see Traquan Smith go from the right side of the field to the left side of the field. And you're going to see the linebacker, excuse me, the cornerback that's on Michael Thomas here, carry all the way over to the opposite side of the field. And the cornerback that's on Traquan Smith hold up over on that side of the field as Michael Thomas comes across, leaving Traquan Smith wide open. So we'll just watch the play develop here. Uh, Taysom Hill does a good job being patient, stepping up in the pocket, and then letting that ball go once uh, Traquan Smith clears the traffic, essentially. So now we'll watch it in the end zone angle as well, because I think it's prettier here. You can see a little bit more of what Taysom Hill does in this play, fakes the play action a little bit, 
takes that step up and then lets it go, go once he crosses that uh, hash mark over the middle of the field. Great play, great play design, and a really nice play call early on in the game for Taysom Hill to keep him comfortable up against man coverage, which I think was a very important part of his day in terms of getting him rolling early and being able to do that. So the next thing we're going to look at is in the second quarter, it's a third and three on the Atlanta 11. The timestamp on the play is one minute and 50 seconds. This would mark the 10th game in a row that the Saints would score points, whether a touchdown or a field goal in the final two minutes of the first half. Pretty impressive uh, when you look at it. So once we get to the play here, we'll go ahead and pause. Now you saw a little bit of motion up at the top with the trips formation. I like that little bit of motion because it sort of, it doesn't telegraph anything in terms of, okay, well, this player is going outside because what they're trying to figure out in that bunch formation over there and that trips formation is who's going or trips bunch, excuse me, who's going where, who's going to the outside, who's taking the middle, who's going over, you know, who's going to, you know, have an option route, things like that. And, and so when they rotate that wheel a little bit and spin the wheel, that ends up creating a little bit of confusion for the defense because now they have to readjust to who they're identifying, who they're watching, and how they're trying to diagnose what they're going to do. You can also see Michael Thomas down at the bottom of the uh, of the screen as well. He's going to draw some attention as will Alvin Kamara. So you're going to take the snap. Once the snap happens, we'll go ahead and pause. So now you can already see that one of the receivers is bending toward the inside. Jared Cook, who was originally on the outside, is also bending toward the inside. So that's going to be a double post where one is going to come underneath, one is going to go over the top, and then you're going to see the other route from the uh, the receiver that was head up actually sort of clear out by going to the outside. That's Emmanuel Sanders. So you see the first post route beginning to develop. His break is at the uh, five-yard line, and then you're going to see Jared Cook fake toward going to the outside, but then he's also going to cut inside probably around the two, maybe one-yard line. And Taysom Hill throws with anticipation here. He throws to a spot. If you pause right at, you might have to go back and rewind a little bit and come back to it. But if you pause right at Jared Cook's break, you can see the L on the Falcons. That th- This could not be any more perfect. You can see the L <laughs> for the Falcons logo in the end zone being left wide open. That's where the zone is. That's where uh, Taysom Hill is throwing that ball. And Jared Cook catches it right on the L, which is representative. Uh, just the, the most beautiful uh, analogy I think I've ever accidentally stumbled upon on this show is Jerry Cook catching that touchdown on the L of the Falcons logo. We'll watch it again from the end zone angle. No need to pause. Just go ahead and keep your eyes on these two guys that are going to be coming across once the camera zooms out after the snap. No funny business. There's no play action here. It's just all about the read. The uh, the the linebacker gets pulled down. There's something else to watch here too. If you flip back just a little bit, uh, if you watch Alvin Kamara, he's going to pull one of the linebackers down. I think that's Deion Jones. And that's going to also open up the throwing lane for that pass. Once again, I just want to remind everybody that they catch that pass on the L, which to me is just incredibly appropriate for a Falcons game. All right, now we're moving on to our final play. I usually try to put in a negative play for the Saints, but this defense was just too good for me not to include along with Taysom Hill's two touchdowns, which I absolutely had to get in on this episode. So let's go ahead and go here. We're going to fourth and nine in the fourth quarter, a minute 41 seconds left. The Falcons are on the 20 yard line. Once we get to the formation, as always, we'll pause. We'll take a look at the coverage and everything that they're showing. So the, the Saints are showing single high here with DJ Swearinger up in the uh, single high spot. You can see Malcolm Jenkins on the top of the screen, and you can see uh, Marcus Williams at around the 10-yard line. In the slot at the bottom of the screen is where I want you to watch because it's PJ Williams matched up with Julio Jones. This is perfectly executed bracket coverage. This is something that the Saints might have struggled with early on in the season because P.J. Williams might not have trusted that Marcus Williams was on the inside. The communication wasn't necessarily there. 
time and time again. This time, P.J. Williams knows that he has a safety help to the inside, so he plays the outside leverage. Let's go ahead and just watch the play. Go ahead and play it. We'll just watch the play right at the snap. Julio Jones is going to go to the out. He's going to he's going to fake to the outside. Marcus Williams is great. Excuse me. P.J. Williams does a great job not biting on that and instead keeping the outside leverage and forcing Julio Jones to the inside. Let's rewind. Just hit your arrow key to go back to the beginning of the play. And the thing that you want to watch here is that if P.J. Williams doesn't if P.J. Williams gives up that outside leverage and takes the inside of this route, the issue is that he would end up leaving the corner of the end zone wide open. That's why this is so incredibly important and such a good play. We'll let it play through the end zone angle because we like all angles. You can see Marcus Williams. You see him thighs up there at the 10-yard line. But in just a sec, you're going to see once the snap happens, you can see Julio Jones. He's going to fake toward the outside. P.J. Williams is not going to give that up. And then Marcus Williams comes in and makes the push right at the moment that uh, Julio Jones gets his hand on the ball. That's great communication and great defense by the New Orleans Saints to only continue to improve every single week. Did I mention that Jerry Cook caught a touchdown on the L of the Falcons logo? I just want to make sure I said that. All right, y'all, we're going to keep the fun rolling here on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up next, we're going to take your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com slash group slash Locked on Saints. You can talk a little bit about whether or not Taysom Hill can actually steal away the starting role from Drew Brees by the end of the season. We can also talk a little bit about uh, the Saints and something that they've never done in the division so far. Nothing, something that's never been done by the division in the NFC South so far. So We'll talk about that and more coming up next here on Locked on Saints, your team every day. All right, Houdet Nation, don't forget tomorrow here on Locked on Saints, we have our crossover Thursday episode. Myself, Louis DiBiase of Locked on Eagles, breaking down everything you need to know ahead of this weekend's game. The New Orleans Saints capping off their three-game road trip trip, road trip against the Philadelphia Eagles, now with uh, led by quarterback Jalen Hurts, not Carson Wentz. So this is going to be a very fun storyline to talk through, and I look forward to getting the expert opinion from Louis over at the Locked On Eagles podcast. Don't miss that. Real quick before we get into our questions from the Locked On Saints Facebook group, just got a tweet. This is what I this is this is the great part about being able to 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 record in the morning because I'm getting the the, the newest news to get you as well. Uh, Ian Rapport tweeting out that Saints quarterback Drew Brees progressing well through his rehab and uh, from excuse me a lung puncture and fractured ribs. He won't practice much if at all. I'm told, but he is eligible to come off of injured reserve now. Uh, they could ramp him up Thursday to see how he feels, but a more realistic target to play has been week 15. So that would be the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not sure how I feel about him coming back and playing against the Chiefs immediately, but you know what? It ill would it ill. And if it means that we get Drew Brees back soon, we get Drew Brees back soon. But here's one of our first questions for the Locked on Saints Facebook group, where, we, uh, where Aaron Johnson asks whether or not Taysom Hill could actually win the job over Drew before the end of the season, like if Drew comes back and can't perform. Now, Aaron wants to clarify for everybody listening that he does not see this happening. He's just curious about it. And I think that there is a reality in which Drew Brees comes back and he's not ready. And therefore, Taysom Hill becomes the, you know, continues to be the starting quarterback by default. I don't know that he wins the role, but I think that there's a world in which he continues to be the starter by default, if that makes sense. But I think as soon as Drew is ready to come back and he is you know, uh, healthy enough to come back, then he's back. You know what I mean? The, the Saints want him for the playoff run. And there's no way to really know that he comes back and can't perform in the playoffs because if you lose one game, you're done. So that's as far as it really gets. You know what I mean? So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I see the scenario you're talking about. I think it's more of an of a by default conversation, though, more than anything else. Uh, next, we got Eric Swiler who asked uh, whether, uh, sorry, what are we, what are the Saints going to do about the fumbling issue with Taysom and honestly, the entire team? I read that there are 24 fumbles so far, not all of them lost, but what's the issue? So I think that one of the things that you have to look at here is that 
14 of those fumbles have come from quarterbacks, right? And that's not unusual. What's unusual is that nine of them are by Taysom Hill. So that's really what you're seeing. And again, it's it's a ball security issue that just needs to get fixed. It's something that has to get addressed. And Sean Payton has shown time and time again, think back as I keep reminding everyone to Mark Ingram, and you can see how much Sean Payton does not like fumbles. So I, I don't think that that is, a, is an issue that will persist, but it is certainly one that has persisted too long up to this point. I wouldn't be freaked out too much by the fumble numbers because it includes like you know, Emmanuel Sanders had an errant fumble at one point. Deontay Harris with the with the special teams fumbles, he's got three. You know, I mean, it, it, it's things like that that end up totaling up. It's not just like players out there carelessly dropping. Well, Alvin Kamara had a fumble earlier in the season. Like it, it's those types of things that kind of pile up to lead to what looks like a daunting total. But it, you can sort of look at it on an individual case by case basis and see where there are actual issues and concerns versus where it's just you know it, a little thing here and there that you shouldn't be too worried about. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Tony. Forgive me if I'm saying your, your last name wrong, buddy, but I think it's it's either Tony Tony Melee, which would be super dope, or Tony Mel, which is also super dope. Your name's dope, no matter what it is. Um, how much, if at all, does seeing Taysom much in practice lately give the defense an opportunity to prepare for Jalen Hurts, given the lack of NFL film on Hurts? This is a fantastic question, Tony. This is a fantastic question. In fact, I think it helps them a lot because, again, Taysom Hill is a mobile quarterback that can extend plays, but that wants to be a pocket passer. And that I think we can comfortably say is a pocket passer. He's not limited to just scrambling or boot action to be able to make plays. He can drop back, plant his feet and make plays. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. He has mobility, but the guy is, for all intents and purposes, a pocket passer first. So I think it's a really great point. There's another benefit for the Saints coming into this game with Jalen Hurts under center in terms of their ability to prepare for him. The first team that's getting reps against the scouting team, not too much you have to do to uh, replicate that because you can say the same thing with Jalen, I'm sorry, Jameis Winston as well as somebody that can be mobile, that can make some plays with his feet. He does it a different way because he's just a big bruiser kind of guy, but he's somebody that of course wants is a pocket passer. Uh, Tom Fippen as with his snap cat with his snap countdown, excuse me, do you see Alex Anzalone with the Saints next year? I I could see it if if he's willing to take a contract as a backup and and as somebody to come in and kind of maintain consistency, but no, not necessarily. He's he was somebody that I didn't really see sticking with the Saints next season anyway. There are going to be some of those cap casualties in some of those role player roles. Him, Marcus Williams is in question. Y'all know how much I do like Marcus Williams, although I did get to the point of saying he should be benched this season. Thankfully, he has turned it around. But I think that there are some of those guys that are in contract years that are like the lesser guys, not the big like uh, superstar guys who have already been signed to long-term contracts. Those are the ones that may have to be sort of expendable by the time that we get to uh, free agency next season. So we'll see. Uh, But if he's willing to take a, a contract as a backup, then I think he would end up sticking around because it'd be good to have that consistency from year to year into the uh, next group of linebackers with all the change that we're going on at linebacker, because we don't know if uh, the Saints are going to be able to find a way to afford Quan Alexander next season outside of cutting him and resigning him. And then it's about what type of a pay cut he's willing to take because he's due over $12 million next season. Danny Curley wants to know if the Saints can do something that's never been done in the NFC South so far since its induction into the NFL in 2020. Danny Curley asks, what are the odds of the Saints sweeping the NFC South. This has never happened before to where one team has won all of its division games within the NFC South. The Saints are one game away from doing it week 17 against the Carolina Panthers. The unfortunate part is that it's week 17, a game that the Saints might not give a crap about because seating may already be sort of sorted out and you're already, you know, you're looking at keeping, you know, starters healthy and things like that. So if it was a week 15 game or a week 16 game, I'd feel a little bit more confident that the Saints 
would work, you know, would, would be able to do it. I think that they can still do it in week 17, but now there's just the added factor of that game being less important. And so the Saints sitting starters and that may cost them that opportunity. Does it matter? No, not really. But because the Saints, if they didn't care about the game, it means that they're already comfortable with where they are. Seating's already been focused, all that other stuff. So that's something that I wouldn't be too worried about, but there is absolutely an opportunity to do it. And finally, we'll go to Joshua Farner. This is a storyline that I haven't covered very much on the show, so I'm glad to get a question about it. Uh, could this be not only the last year for Drew, but also along, also for uh, Thomas Morstead? And you know, we all love Thomas Morstead, absolutely, but there is an opportunity. He's averaging right now the lowest net average per punt. He's just over 41 yards of net per punt, uh, which is the lowest of his career so far. He does have a, you know, a great portion. I think it's 20 out of his 40 some odd punts that have been down within the 20 yard line. He's got you know, a ton of fair catches that he's forced, all of that. The Saints aren't having much trouble in terms of special teams in the punt game, but we have seen him you know, shank some punts here and there and things like that. And the Saints really like Blake Gillikin, who we talked about on the show before, has a hell of a leg out of Penn State, the undrafted free agent. So, you know, Thomas Moore said not being on the team next year would actually save the Saints a, a good chunk of chains. Uh, multiple millions of dollars. So something to keep an eye out on. I, I don't know. There, there is certainly the the potential that he is also not on the team next season, either of his own volition for retiring or the Saints decide to move on for him in uh, in favor of the younger Blake Gilligan, who is uh, you know on injured reserve with a quote unquote back issue. So you know we'll see. But uh, you know it's a good question and it's a storyline to continue to follow because Thomas Moore said has not been his best self so far this season. We love him. We absolutely love him. We know that, but he he has absolutely not been uh, the best Thomas Morissette that we've seen so far this year. All right, y'all. I appreciate your questions. Once again, you ever want to take part in that, just join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash locked on saints. Get your request in. We'll get you joined up so that you can ask your questions, get them answered here on the show. Anybody whose questions I didn't answer, I'll make sure it gets answered on the uh, on the group via comment. So I appreciate everybody for taking the time to ask their questions and get mentioned here on the show. We love y'all. I appreciate you for doing that. Uh, the next thing we've got up next tomorrow is going to be crossover Thursday. Louis DiBiase uh, locked on Eagles coming through so we can preview this matchup. And then on film study Friday, we best believe we're going to take a long look at Jalen Hurts and the snaps that he played against the Green Bay Packers for our film study on the enemy. So got that coming up all throughout the week. So don't miss those episodes. If you miss Monday or Tuesday, go listen to them. Don't miss an episode five days a week here with Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I thank you so much as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. It's been Locked On Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.